0: What's going on, everybody? This is Dr. Mario Sacasso. Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. And I pray that this episode finds you blessed today. Well, praise the Lord, here we are at the start of this year and the start of another OSV Challenge. If you don't know what the OSV Challenge is, then head on over to osvchallenge.com to get some more information about what it is and what's going on there. But joining me on the show today to talk about the OSV Challenge and so much more, honestly, is Jason Shanks, OSV Institute President. Today, we talk about lots of stuff. It's a great episode. We talk about the challenge, and innovation in the church as a whole, and the need to put out into the deep and to overcome fears, what it means to be a creative in in not just in the creative space, but in life as a whole. And then Jason beautifully opens up and shares about his experiences with COVID and how he was intubated for six weeks and, and almost died and what that experience was like for him and his wife and his children. And then what profound lessons about faith and reality that he learned on the other side of it and in an in, in urgency in the need for valuing the ordinary so today's episode we go into a whole lot of different covers different topics of conversation and you're going to absolutely love it so please when the show is done leave a comment or r- write a comment or leave a review on apple podcasts or on spotify i'd love to be able to receive those and god bless you all and let's get into this conversation with jason shanks Jason Shanks, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, thank you for having
0: me. This is a this is a true joy and a pleasure. Well, I appreciate it, the, the pleasure is all mine. I know you guys have a lot going on with OSV Institute and The Challenge and the next round of talks and new websites and all sorts of great things that you guys have going on right now. As I said to you before we kind of got started, I've, I've been a fan of yours and, and, and what you guys have been doing over the last few years with the rebrand and the refocus on innovation. I've had, I'm sure the listeners would know by now, they're probably sick of me talking about OSV Challenge. <laughs> and I've had a number of the the winners over the years uh, on the show yeah. and and, and, right. and Dr. Matt Smith as well and yeah. Sister Josephine Garrett and others who've been connected with what you guys are doing. Yeah. So, uh, so grateful to have you finally on the show to talk about what you guys have been up to. Um, so for people who don't know about OSV mm-hmm. Institute, just kind of a quick, what is it? Um, what are you guys doing? And uh, what's this new rebrand all about?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people might be familiar with Our Sunday Visitor. (laughs) Uh, It's a 110 year old organization that typically people know it either one of two ways. One is the newspaper, Our Sunday Visitor, or the offertory envelopes that maybe people are using on a Sunday. What they typically don't know is all that revenue and that's generated by Our Sunday Visitor has for 105 years been given away. Uh, in the way. And so that money that's given away is utilized by what's called the Our Sunday Visitor Institute, OSB Institute. And traditionally, it's sort of been what you would call like a corporate giving, philanthropic arm of Our Sunday Visitor. And in that time span, it's given away about $90, $90 million. Wow. And it's done it, given it to apostolates, dioceses, parishes, uh, things to, you know, going to champion the church, right? In the last, I would say three years, you know, after a lot of grant activity, grant giving, we started asking lots of questions about the impact of our grants and what they were being used for. And in looking at what people were submitting, one of the things that was occurring to us was, the ideas did not seem all that different than things that had come before. Mm -hmm. And frankly, when we looked back at the landscape of the last 20 to 30 years, a lot of the things people were applying for were just more of the same.
0: So we at OSB started thinking about... When, when you say that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, you're saying that like the same people applying for the same amount year in and year out, or are you saying that like just the same ideas kept kind of same ideas different people, but the same ideas kept kind of crossing your desk? Correct, yes.
1: Yeah. So we just weren't really, and, and, and of those ideas, we didn't feel like there was really moving the needle, right? Mm-hmm. We started thinking about, we want game changing, disruptive ideas that are really going to move the needle. And all the stats we were seeing that your listeners are well aware of within the church, (laughs) the church is sort of on decline. Baptisms are down, marriages are down, uh, the numbers of people going to mass are down. And so we didn't feel like we could just keep funding and doing more of the same. So we started asking, well, what is the issue here? What is the big problem? Are there, are there areas that need focus and where we landed, was we really felt like we needed more innovative, impactful ideas that were going to be game-changing ideas that were gonna propel the church forward. And um, and we thought, well, how are we gonna get those ideas? And so we decided, let's try something and let's just put a prize out there and see who could come up with the most innovative, interesting, impactful ideas that is deserving of funding to be able to move them forward. And so we created what was called the OSV Innovation Challenge at the time. And we started with uh, putting uh, some prize money on the table and seeing who's got what idea and what's out there. Um, So the context of this, just so that your listeners are aware, is within the new evangelization. So when we talk about ideas or innovation, and as we use those terms going forward today, we're not talking about innovation in church teaching. We're not talking about liturgical innovation, right? We're talking about method- methodology. We're talking about strategy. We're talking about um, ministerial approaches that will uh, take the beautiful teachings of the Catholic Church and bring them forward. So John Paul II talks about the new evangelization is new in ardor, new in expression, new in method. And when we were looking and saying, wow, we're not seeing these new methods, these new strategies that can be deployed for the good of the church to help it grow again. Um, and, uh, and we said, man, we need to get in the driver's seat and try to do and be more of a catalyst for greater ideas and creativity within the church to sort of get us out of you know, some of this funk that we're in.
0: Amen. Uh, Amen. Well, I I appreciate that because, yeah, I think when you talk about innovation, people tend to think that. Well, I mean, what does it mean? Does it mean innovation in theology, innovation in, lit- in the liturgy, right. innovation in different things that I think have been tried over the years, truthfully, and we're seeing that the effects of those isn't has not been effective um, because the church's teaching is what it is. It's 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 <coughs> constant. It's beautiful. It's it's inviting. It is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, we believe that, but sometimes. It, um but I well I think there's a couple things here, right? when we start talking mm-hmm. about the numbers the decreasing in the church, certainly we're competing against different philosophies and and, and the nuns and certainly in a secularized culture mm-hmm. where um, religion and faith just isn't a conversation um, as freely open as, as as it used to be. and um, we as freely invited as it used to be in the public discourse. but at the same time, the church also man just likes to shoot herself in the foot sometimes, you know often. And so I think that, you know, certainly the scandal, um, but but even more so than the scandal, sometimes a culture um, that can exist of, I hate to say this word, but complacency or of stagnation. Um, sometimes that 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 happens. Um, you know, when when it's like, well, this is the way it's always been, and this is the way we're always going to do it, and uh, and it's like, well, you know, that's not the same thing as like that's a bad answer for tradition. Um, like we we still need to kind of be thinking about well, is this still the best approach for X problem? Um, Is this still the best resource that we could use for this situation? As opposed to just resting, you know, kind of on on the way things have always been. Um, And so I guess, as you've been at the helm of this kind of innovation challenge in these conversations, now this is what, the third year you guys have done it? Is that right? This is, Dr. Yeah, this is the yeah. third year. Yeah, uh, Mario's Mar fine, Mario's fine. Yeah,
1: so, that we do. <laughs> I want to go back to something you say, though, if I may, because yeah, I think yeah. you raise a really interesting and good point is, I do think we as Catholic Church, we as church, have lost our missionary dynamism. I, and I And I emphasize that a little bit in the, in an OSV talk, not to quote for myself, but I, I emphasize that. I really feel like we've lost our urgency, right? Mm-hmm. We, there is in a, sense, a sense of apathy and, and we're sort of licking our wounds a bit because of some of the um, internal issues that we've been dealing with. And I think that this challenge and this, this focus on innovation and the new evangelization is trying to get the church, frankly, to go back to our mission, mm-hmm. that we are missionary in nature and we are called to go forth, right? But I, I think that to your point, we're the Catholic church, right? We've been around 2000 years, um, you know, it, you know we, we, we think we're gonna, we're gonna withstand the, uh, all these issues. We've been there, done that. And it, it just, it seems to me that we've sort of lost the sense of this urgency that I think that we, as the Institute are trying to just refocus us as church to say, get back to what is some of the best things of the Catholic Church? I mean, the Catholic Church gave us music notation and university systems and the hospital systems and how to care for the poor. A lot of the things you even see with governments trying to do now, it came from church. And, and this is the best of who we are and how do we return to that? And I just feel like that sort of creative expression, creative approach to bring the gospel message to a new generation and a new culture is who we are as Catholics. Yeah. Amen. And uh and we're trying to get back to that a bit.
0: Yeah, amen. No, I'm 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 with you man and I and I really appreciate your energy and your zeal about it because it, I feel like like sometimes like when we think about like what does it mean to be Catholic you, what you're saying right now is 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 how I would define it also. That the church would only exist, only operates at its best when the wind is at her sails, and when she's yeah. outwardly, like she's, okay. when she's, when she's missionary, when she's, when she's engaging in the needs of the people, uh, whether that is, um, you know, in, in, through social services, through education, through hospitals, through healthcare, um, through catechism, all you know, these things that definitely like, that when it's outwardly focused is when the church is at its best. As soon as the system becomes self-referential. And, and it, turns in on, it, it turns in on itself and then it halts, it stops. And so it's like being, like we practice these rituals not because they're a symbol of our Catholicism, like as if it's like a sports team, like somehow like the sign of the cross isn't the same thing as doing a tomahawk chop. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, 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 like at FSU, that's where I we went to school. We do the Tomhawk chop, and we know you do that. That means you're you're a knoll man. And every knoll knows what it is to to do a Tomhawk chop, or whatever school you know has their own traditions, or whatever it is that sort of symbolize, like the In like, I'm part of this tribe. And, and while certainly doing the sign of the cross or going to mass or those things certainly signifies that that's not that's not really the reason that we do these things. These things are supposed to be rituals that point us to encounter God, that move us towards God, that always lead us in deeper relationship with who the Lord is. And so the church solely exists to be that vehicle. It is the body of Christ, but it, but it exists to be that vehicle that always points us to to God Himself, and um and and and. Yeah. What, what do you think? <laughs>
1: well, I just think like I mean, in Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict talked a lot about this in terms of charisma and this mm-hmm. idea of the charisma is an announcement, a proclamation. And I guess my point is, is I think I'm just looking back on my own personal life. When I my faith grows, it's when I'm giving it away. When my faith grows, when I you know it's yes, I can sit in my I can sit in this office and I can read theological books and I can do this that and the other. But it's when I give it to another. It's when I give it to my kids. It's when I when I give it frankly, when I give it to someone and they ask a great question, and I'm like, huh, I don't know the answer to that. Let me go find out. That's when I grow. So I just think we we talk about it too as this, you know, the church is, the church needs it's it's who it is when it's going forth. But I think even as individuals, it's in the good of the other, it's in the giving of ourselves that what we find is is that we become who we are called to be, right? I mean, I know we're gonna get a little bit into it, but I just think about when I dealt with COVID uh, and and was in the hospital for quite some time and then came out of it and had to, real, had to deal with a lot of suffering from it. I really started thinking I could take this grace that I'm getting from the suffering and I can apply it to other people. And that's where my healing in, my, in many ways I think, be, became real. It's because I wasn't just sitting there licking my wounds and woe is me and how do I get out of here? It's when I started applying that pain and suffering for the good of another, that I realized that I can not only endure this, but this could be turned into something positive. And I think what that demonstrated to me is on a large and macro scale as church, the, the more we're, we're sort of navel-gazing and looking in and trying to deal with our own internal turmoil and problems, uh, the more mess we create, the more we go out and give our faith away to the world and do what we were called to do, um, we become who we are supposed to be. And that is this, this you know, Jesus, go forth. And in those very words, he sort of, gave the, the missionary mandate to the church. And I think for whatever reason, we, we have John Paul II, the new evangelization, Pope Benedict backs it up. Even Pope Francis talks a lot about accompaniment, going to the peripheries, having the smell of the sheep, right? Get, let's get out of there. Let's get out of our offices. Let's get out of our church. And then my gosh, COVID comes and sort of closes the church doors for 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 these masses and stuff to be said on the TVs in everybody's homes. There's a clear message here that we need as individuals, as lay people, as people to, to go forth and to get out. And that's what I hope we're doing through this challenge is really giving people permission to think about, I'm gonna be creative, and I wanna think of some new ideas and some new approaches. How do I reach neighbor? How do I reach my community? How do I reach the people in my parish? How do I reach the county that I live in? How do I do this? Let's not wait on the priests and the bishops to say, go. We're baptized, let's go for it. And let's go through a process where one, you can be validated, um, but two, maybe get some training. Hopefully, if you win, get some money to take that idea forward. I think that's that's what we're trying to do: is reengage with our urgency, tell the tell everybody within the church, let's get going, and uh, and put some money and some insight and some expertise behind how to bring these ideas to life that we can measure and make sure they're impactful, and you know, build this you know missionary juggernaut uh, that goes forward. Uh, for our for our grandkids and
0: the 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 kids that come after that hot darn man come on <laughs> that's, that's fantastic that's it and and you guys are certainly in a position where um ha, you know having the the funds and being able to to offer those and not just the funds but of course then the the accelerator program and the mentorship right. and all the things that are involved with trying to find sustainability you know for these ministries for these ideas um i just want to ask for you personally what what has the process been like for you over the last three years as you've seen this? As you've, as you've, you, this was an idea that you started. And, and I mean, has it been validating for you, you know, this challenge and this, this new movement towards innovation? Um, what has it been like for you just seeing this growth in the, the applications and the people that you've talked to over the course of these years? I mean, just what has it been like for you personally?
1: It's given me hope, right? It's given me a lot of hope. I got five little kids. Right, I I love this, this the church, this Catholic church that we're all a part of. I want this church to grow and to, to be there for them, thinking about legacy of grandkids and things. It's given me hope, right? And um, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm sorry to keep going on this, but you're fine.
0: <laughs> when I, so, when I get out of the hospital during COVID, oh, I well, just tell us if you don't mind. Tell us tell us the story. Yeah, so. So
1: I was at, I I got COVID last November and um, I was in, uh, I went to the hospital and I was intubated and sedated for six weeks. Wow. Um, There was a period in there where uh, it did not look good and didn't look like I was gonna make it. Um, My wife rallied prayer warriors around the world who did a novena to St. Jude. And St. Jude uh, through that intercession and through the prayers of many Um, miraculously I survived, I made it. And, um, and there's lots to talk about in that. So I'm just giving you the cliff note now, but when I got out, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't, um, I was on breathing this, a feeding tubes, you know, I'm hooked up. And, um, I was also, we can also talk about, but I was also very confused because for that six weeks, I was in a dream world, like the matrix. Um, and so we're very confused on what was real and not real and, and whatnot. But what I, uh, I, then I had to go through a lot of rehab to figure out how do I swallow again? How do I ride again? How do I use these arms? How do I move? How do I walk? Recently, I was talking to my daughter, uh, Lila, uh, who's nine. And of course my five kids had to go through daddy in the hospital for a long period of time, missing Christmas, holidays. Um, not sure he was going to make it, but I asked my daughter, I said, um, did you know how bad I was? And she said, uh, she said, well, not really. I didn't know until mom was in tears about three weeks in. And I said, Oh, what, how did, what did you, she goes, well, I knew then that you were dying. And I, I said to her, I said, well, how did you know it was going to be okay? How did you know I was going to come home? when was that and I'll never forget what she said to me she said I knew you were gonna be okay when I saw you fighting to walk hmm. and what struck me about that comment is she did not get have hope because she saw me walking I wasn't what gave her hope was the fight was the struggle to was the trying to to get up, trying to get on the walker with multiple machines and people to do it. It was the fight that she knew, daddy's gonna be okay. That, to answer your earlier question, is what uh, gives me hope, is when we did this challenge three years ago, I, we, and it was a we, it was a board decision, it was an OSV decision. Is there any new ideas out there? Let's try there could have been three people apply with 350. Hmm. And what gave me hope wasn't the ideas. It was the fight. It was, let's try, we're gonna get up. And that for me is the next year we said, wow, there's something here. <laughs> uh, let's double down on this. Let's do this in a bigger way. And let's forget the grant giving we were doing. We're gonna go all in on this hmm. again we could have said, well, we got 300 ideas. Next year, we got 650 ideas. Right. And, and I, again, and I've, I'm in there reading these ideas, working with these people. And if anybody's seen any of our challenge videos, our challenge videos have a lot to do with you're down and you're getting up. They're very rocky one ish. If anyone's familiar with the rocky one, we're in the ring, and we're still standing. And that's sort of the image for this entrepreneur. And these, these entrepreneurs, these innovators in the making, give me great hope for the future of the church. Now, there's a lot more to go, right? I mean, a lot of the ideas are what I would put in the fast following category. I'm not, I'm not sure we've actually drilled down to authentic Catholic innovation, but my gosh, to go to think that there's people out there, napkin ideas, people sitting around their table saying, I'd like to try this. I'd like to take a risk. I'd like to put that forward. It's that fight, um, Mario, Doctor Mario, that gives me that gives me hope. That says, um, "This church, we're still going, we're still ticking." And and there, it's a lie, and it's out there. And while you see all this other stuff going on in the media and and talking about this, that, and the other about the church and scandals. There is a <laughs> there there's a spark out there, and it's these these Catholic innovators from all walks of life, from all age and demographics uh, that one would imagine who love the church that says, I want this message of Jesus Christ and the beautiful teachings in the Catholic church to reach people. And I've got idea and I'm going to put it through. And that gives me hope. When we first started this, it was, by the way, just all about the ideas. What are those ideas? What we quickly, quickly, sorry, realized was it's not just the idea. It's the person themselves. And and it that took uh, some pivoting and adjusting on ours but it quickly realized that this is a competition not about these ideas it's just as much a part of and if not more about the person and the people and the entrepreneur and the innovators themselves and uh and that was a revelation and a very positive one uh in the work we were doing uh and those people and those individuals i'm blessed uh to be among and to facilitate and And, uh, you know, we're innovating this challenge and this approach to to spur creativity and innovation. But it's these people who apply um, that, uh, again, that give me great hope in the future.
0: Amen. Thank you for sharing all that. It was really beautiful. The struggle, the the desire to want to say that um, we're going to move this thing forward. And that tenacity, that grit is a virtue that... um, is something we all have to cultivate. And it's something that deeply resonates within me, you know, in, in my experience of uh, professional burnout, and then saying, well, what can I do with this? Like, how do I move forward? Well, let's start a podcast. And what's the podcast gonna be about? Hope, you know, always mm. hope. And I joke about mm. this before in the show, you know, that always cynical was an option, you know, that was on the table. Um, there you go. Then, but that wasn't as as enticing of, of a prospect, you know? Um, and so, so, how do we find answers? and I had a bout of COVID, also not 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 nearly to the degree that that, that you experienced, um, but I was out for a few weeks, um, and and I had long COVID that that lasted for for a good long while, fatigue and not being able to run and 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 those things for solid, I mean a, a little, a, I would say it took about a year before I felt comfortable actually running again, you know, to the point that I, where I was before, um, and in in that time also like the first six weeks were. It was just fatigue after fatigue after fatigue. I couldn't really light sensitivity. I couldn't really leave the house. I mean, I did, but but it was it was it was difficult. What did I do? I, I just read and I read I read and I, and I read about positive psychology. I read about uh, the spiritual life and 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 what we're supposed to do with this suffering. And to the point that you made also, and, and I would like to hear more about your insights from your experiences certainly. But as you said, it was like if if this suffering is is only about my misery, then I'm then i then 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 it's. And I don't say wasted. That's just maybe too strong of a word. But there's an opportunity that is missed here, and so if 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 there's an opportunity now to to unite this with others, with something greater, something more that that that's going on, and we're just praying to God. God, what do you want me to do with this? Um, it 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 can be transformed into a grace-filled experience, and 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 I can say honestly, like I've. I, I've experienced that. And this, it feels weird, you know, truthfully to say that both between like burnout and, and COVID and these other things to be like, wow, like, okay, here we are on the other side, um, feeling that I I've navigated those waters well and, and, and I'm a better person because of it. And, and new ideas emerge and, and help emerges. And, um, but, but that's the, that, that's the, that's the gospel. That's the message. I mean, that's, that's our character being shaped in the midst of these challenges. That's us choosing to say that there's still meaning in this. you know I think about your circumstance you know you, you and Corey how you know as a friend and he had shared with me when 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 uh, you know that that you had gotten sick and that you were being right. intubated and so so I was one of those people praying for you you mm-hmm. know back Thank in November. You. and um, and you know Corey and I we chatted uh, just about like, Lord why I mean this guy like just comes up with this great idea you know of this innovation challenge. And here he is doing all these wonderful things, and then like this is like now that he gets sick like this, I mean, like what the heck, Lord? You know, like what's what's going on? And and I don't know if those type of questions went into your mind, um, but I just just want to know kind of what your process was like, you know, kind of throughout that experience. Well, let let me go back to something you said
1: because you keep triggering fun conversation (laughs) starters here. And the first is is I think everybody, right? Everybody who's listening. We, we're getting a better sense of what perseverance looks like, yeah. right? This sure. COVID keeps sure. dragging yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all its inconveniences and issues and, you know, kids are home now and not home and they're back. And, and uh, of course, sicknesses and, and people who are in the health profession, God bless them, the heroes, mm-hmm. the nurses, the, the doctors I saw. They're deflated. They're 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 exhausted. Hmm. So we we all have a new, I think, sense of the grit that that you're speaking of. That idea of perse- perseverance, and also for your listeners, I think, especially for those that are seeking, right? You know, Christianity is the only, I think, re- major religion that fully understands and, and, can explain suffering Mm -hmm. and most specifically the Catholic church really understands the redemptive value of suffering. You know, Christ took suffering and, uh, on the cross just spun it on its head, right? And he overcame death. And so not that God causes suffering, not that God caused COVID, not that he's bringing that to us for some, some, some reason. But the idea that we as Catholics can take that suffering that we're going through in whatever way that person is experiencing it, something like me, something like you went through, something maybe as simple, something simpler. It's an inconvenience or anxiety or whatever, and unite that to the cross, right? I mean, Paul was given a thorn in his side for a reason. And so I just think that, and if, and if you remember that idea of Paul getting a thorn in his side, part of the scripture, Paul says, I, um, I asked for this thorn to be removed. Mm-hmm. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And I remember reading that quite a bit when I was in the hospital, my grace is sufficient for you. So how do we take these pains and struggles and sufferings that's beyond COVID, but just an everyday part of being human and unite that to the cross of Jesus Christ? But moreover, how can then we take whatever graces we might be getting from that and apply it? People in purgatory, people, uh, people, circumstances or people going through. Um, I just think it's super powerful. We don't talk a whole lot about suffering anymore, it seems, uh, in the church. And then how to use it. To, to uh, When I was in the
0: hospital. Oh, oh, hold on second, I gotta say something real quick then, before you Please. go, I'm sorry, interrupt yeah. you. Be, be, I think sometimes it's because we, at least for me. This is my own reflection, so I can't say for everybody else. Yeah. But for me, I know it's so easy to get caught up in success being monitored by numbers and success being yeah. measured by, by how well something was is determined by how many people showed up or how many people listened or, or X, Y, and Z. And, uh, and, and that's not the gospel. Like, no. that's not at all the gospel. And I understand the metrics are easy. It's easy to be like, "Well, I have so many listeners, or I got so many followers on social media, or I have so many people buy whatever." You know, those type of things. And those things are certainly helpful, I guess, some maybe some way. I don't know, maybe not truthfully. But that's not that's not the full marker of how we measure success on on in terms of like the gospel and the gospel's measures of it. Um, And I know these things sound like cliches, but but they're actually true. Like investment in a person, um, in in taking your time out of your day to smile at a homeless person, or to make a sacrifice of packing sandwiches, you know, in your car and actually giving it to somebody. Like, like that matters more. It um, and, and not just because it's like the right thing to do, but. But because it is the right thing to do, I don't know. Like, and so, like sometimes yeah. it, it's and you it's, never know
1: how what that sandwich and, but that's is going to do. Exactly. you're never going to see the fruit of that.
0: You're right? never going to see the fruit of it. You, you, you're never going to see the fullness of it. And so, even when we're right. talking about suffering, uniting our suffering to uh, to the cross and to grace and all those things, the truth is, part of that, part of uniting that means part of also letting go of whatever whatever fruit comes from it. Because the truth is, we don't we don't really know. We don't well, we don't really know.
1: So that's why I, I was sort of in a really privileged place having gone through what I did because we had, I had all these people such as yourself praying for me. And uh, I remember getting out, being woken up, and they started showing me the, the, the videos of all their Zoom calls of all these rosaries and things being prayed. I got to actually see the fruit of everybody's prayer. I, I saw the power of their intercessory prayer, which you don't normally see, right? You know, people say, would you pray for me? Oh, sure, I'll pray for you. And you might never know what effect it had. In this case, we, know, we knew. I mean, it was their prayers. I, I liken it to the paralytic lowered through the roof and the paralytic's put in front of Christ. And he says, you know, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. And typically, the way I was reading scripture, you sort of, oh, they throw it through the roof, that's funny. And then your attention goes to the paralytic and Jesus. But what this did for me is I understood that it was those friends that interceded on the behalf of the paralytic to guide him to the feet of Jesus. And for all those people who prayed for me, uh, they lowered me to the feet of Christ. They They interceded on my behalf and their prayers had great power and great effect. We don't typically see that fruit. And the case of me making it, they saw that fruit. And I think it gave people lots of encouragement uh, in doing that and certainly gave me lots of encouragement. And it made me then, of course, wanting to intercede on others behalf through my suffering and to pray to the Lord for their needs and their concerns and to apply anything I was gaining, which I don't know what that might've been from a grace standpoint to their circumstances. And I guess I would just ask listeners to, you know, when we talk about earlier of giving of ourselves, the church going forth, giving themselves away, you can do that through prayer. We can pray for another, and it has great power and great effect. And I'm I'm living proof that
0: it works. Amen. Hey, everybody! This is Dr. Mario, and I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Jason Shanks just to encourage you to check out dating well it's coming it's coming really soon this is my my dating series where i take you by the hand and walk you through all the ins and outs of dating and discerning marriage with another person and these 19 lessons were really really close if you're a follower of the show you know i've been talking about this for the last couple months and dating well will be released sometime in early february just in time to make it a wonderful valentine's day gift so praise the Lord, I'm so excited about this project and, and can't wait to get it out to the masses. So Dating Well, it's coming soon. We'll get more information on it when it's actually out. But I am very excited about being able to offer just years of experience of being a marriage therapist and what I know from the research as well and from the sermon, you know, literature and being able to... Dissect all of that and make it into some user-friendly information. Every lesson is anywhere between 7 and 17 minutes. So it's none of them are meant to be overwhelming. We have some great reflection questions that are there for you to reflect on and to converse about afterwards, whether you're doing it with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or doing it as part of a small group or just even if you're doing it on your own and you just want to be able to grow in your understanding of what a relationship is and what it actually means to discern marriage and to move forward in that great Great vocation. So, dating well—it's coming soon. Really, really close. Look for it in early February. We'll get more information out there for you when it's out into the masses. So, thanks, everybody. So, how are you feeling now? How's health? How's how are you doing?
1: I, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's been quite a year. It's been quite a been quite a journey. Um, And uh, uh, now physically, I'm doing pretty well. There's still some little things that we're trying to work on. Um, And then I have, you know, little triggers here and there. You know, if I get a cough, I'm like, oh no, you know. (laughs) Um, But overall I'm doing well. Um, And, uh, you know, but, you know, I just go back to those early days in January and February. And, um, you know, not only a lot of physical issues, but a lot of mental ones, a lot of trying to figure out you know, what's real and not real and, and, and um, you know, so when I, when I was sedated and I guess they called it ICU delirium. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently it is. I was living in a whole nother reality. It's sort of like the matrix, right? I'm, I, you know, as an example, uh, um, in my dream world, my father died and other like, real experiences I thought were real happened. And then when I woke up, I didn't know I was woken up from, mm-hmm. so I couldn't figure out, well, am I still dreaming? Am I in an, am I still sleeping? Is this real? Is that real? I mean, the whole philosophical issues are, are we living in a dream? Are we, you know, I remember, I mean, you're you, you're in counseling, but they would send the, the people to try to help me through this. I said, listen, <laughs> I have a degree in theology and philosophy. This is a common question. Just give me some time to think it through. and ultimately i did think it through and i came to the conclusion that what makes this real world real is the ordinary and it is the ordinary everyday experience it's the ordinary like in my dream world it was all like a sitcom or it was like Mm -hmm. you weren't eating and you weren't you weren't um i don't know you weren't going upstairs to go to sleep you weren't doing the dishes it was all these very outrageous things right like you would think about in dreams and I think the lesson I learned from that uh, is that what, how the ordinary is a gift and how we can use the ordinary everyday things that we do as a gift. And I would leave that, I would, I would share that with, your, with the, your listeners. And for me, when you ask, how am I doing? It really brought home the manger and Jesus coming to us at Christmas in a new way for me this year. You know, he came as a person, came as a baby. He was laid in a manger, right? He spent the first 30 years of his life doing ordinary, everyday activities. It's what grounds us. It's what makes this real. It's what makes us this authentic. And I think, you know, we sometimes we get tied up in the extraordinary events and occurrences. Uh, but how, how um, blessed are we that we get to do the dishes and we get to care for a loved one and we get to, you know, do our chores and we get to do these things, Christ did them alongside Mary and Joseph. And so do we. And, and I learned in a really new way uh, how important that is. So it's come for me, a new appreciation of being a dad and a husband and, uh, you know, the the daily grind and the grit that we talked about earlier and not looking at it as a, a drudgery, <laughs> but looking at it as, as I want to trade this for the world. Don't give me that virtual stuff. Uh, don't give me any more of the matrix and the ways that we can take our issues and problems and hide. I want to, I want to be in it because for me this is the real vocation. This is the real, the real thing that God has given to all of us. And it's a, it's a gift. It's a, it's a true gift. So I want to trade what I went through in particular for the world, but it's given me a new sense of urgency, a sense of urgency to keep ideating and thinking about Um You know, life is short, and I learned that very quickly. Uh, Like you said, and you and Corey, I didn't expect to be going through any of that experience. Um, But for the work that we're doing at the Institute, it's definitely given a new element of focus and urgency to say that these ideas are more important than ever, and and we've got to help bring them to the
0: world. Hmm. That reality that you spoke about in terms of... I love the way you said that. With regards to how did you determine what was real, was the ordinary, that you... in that delirium state, it was hard to tell the difference between what was up, what was down, what was right, what was what was real, what was not. And in that, as you thought it through, you settled on my reality is 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 this? Like this this it's not just a sitcom. Life just isn't a sitcom. Life just isn't these extravagant moments one from another. And how that helped you to decipher between your dreams and, and reality and got you kind of back to some sense of stability. But I think that's a beautiful imagery for, of course, for all of us, you know, who are just living in terms of what are we pursuing? And what I thought about was that, like, God chose the ordinary. And that's what you said also in terms of mm-hmm. Jesus being hidden for 30 years. Like, God, in, God incarnated himself into that reality. And somehow all of this stuff... That we take for granted is um, is 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 part of um, uh, it's it's all it's all part of him. It's all part of him. Yeah, it's and if f- you
1: think about how we're now living a life, right? We we sort of live it like scenes. We, I mean, think about Facebook. Everybody's sure, posting the metaverse. Our everybody's Instagram, moving to the metaverse, right? right and, we're, be- and we're posting events. Or things mm-hmm. in our life that are more of the extraordinary or the, the the you know the more fascinating. We don't ever post a picture of you washing the dishes uh, or doing these things. And I
0: guess that's. But some people do. Some people post like their breakfast, and, and yeah. then we ch- we chided that they we were chide. like, oh, "Why are you why are you posting your half eaten yeah. toast? You know who cares? Nobody wants to see right. that." And it's right. true. Nobody wants to see it because some things aren't meant to be shared. You know, it's, this isn't a. It's not. I shared, therefore, I am. Like I am because right. I am. You know. But but keep going to your point. I know saying what you're saying. saying. I
1: think the lesson I'm trying to think about is,
0: um,
1: we should start talking about living the quote unquote ordinary with excellence and appreciation and thankfulness and gratitude. And again, try try going through the extremes of the ups and downs in the extraordinary for seven weeks, and you will come to a new level of appreciation for the simple things. As you listen to, you know, um, uh, Jose Maria, or um, uh, Teresa of the Teresa, Little Flower, yeah, Teresa, exactly. or oh, Teresa of the, you know, these mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. folks, you, you get a, a insight in this idea of the, the little thing, the simple thing, the the doing that with excellence and the appreciation for the ordinary. and. You know, again, it was just really interesting for me. Again, I have background in philosophy and this, that, and the other. And as I'm thinking about the question, you know, you, the, the "I think, therefore I am" and all these different things, it was really a simple baby in a manger, and the ordinaries of it that I sort of recognized: this is this is true, this is real. And I'm not. You, know, I have to wonder if that's the reason why you, Jesus, why you know, if God would have sent Jesus in the cloud from the very beginning, maybe we would have all been like, oh, that's a little out there. But sending him as a child, uh, infant in a manger in a very ordinary fashion and way, um, I think grounded it in a realness that is super important. So um, yeah, and and it's again, when we think about trying to bring it back a little bit to your first topic of the challenge, when we think about even these innovation ideas it doesn't mean that everything is the brand new shiny thing under the sun. Mm-hmm. It could mean something that worked before. It could be something that worked a long time ago. It could be it could be something very simple that can have a transformative effect. And so, you know, I would encourage listeners to apply, be a part of it, bring your napkin idea, bring the thing that you're just thinking about and come be a part of it, right? And uh, we encourage that, we want that. Yeah. Uh, the idea of a innovator and the way we're looking at it isn't the walt disney it's not the steve jobs it's not the moses bringing down the commandments to say here you go it's the it's the it's in all of us every one of us has a as a ability uh to co-create with our lord to come up with effective ideas that are going to reach your neighbor in ways that no one else thought about bring them bring all comers we would love to have you uh, osvchallenge.com uh, applications will happen the end of January, bring them. And we'd love to have, uh, have those and you can be a part of it. This isn't, there is no, like, um, you know, there's no or innovator, uh, DNA, uh, that one gets it's in all of you. And you know how, you know, it, you, every one of us liked the color when we were kids, we all have a creative, a part of who we are. Um, and, uh, we want to encourage that.
0: Um, let me ask you going back to just your experience with COVID I want to go back to, the co- I, want, I'm trying to I want to do both I just want to keep talking about right. both of them I got my commercial <laughs> in, so we're good yeah exactly <laughs> um, uh, how, how's your <laughs> wife? how's your wife? well my,
1: my wife that's a fantastic question she is a saint my gosh um, and and when people ask me about the COVID story I all, often tell people it's it's really a story about her because I laid the, I mean, I was sedated. This is a story of a woman who, her husband, uh, it goes into the hospital, goes by ambulance to the hospital thinking he was gonna get a breathing treatment and be home later, only to find out he, she's gonna get a call. And the call for me is they're gonna sedate me and intubate me and and Mario, I, I, didn't, I didn't say you're the love of my life. Um, you know, thank you for everything. What I said was, Here's where the life insurance is located. Here's how the bills get paid. You need to call this person. And we got five little kids, um, 12 and under, and uh, she now was thrust into a crisis. She herself had COVID, all her kids had COVID. So it's not like she could get people to come in and help. Uh, She had apparently understood COVID pretty bad. The hospital at one point um, was calling her to give her to pronate herself and stuff because they were getting concerned what if both of us were in the hospital. Uh, So they were giving her counsel. We did have uh, someone who did have COVID come in to help with the kids and stay with us. And then she had to deal with our kids. Uh, She was homeschooling at the time, uh, had to deal with her own sickness, but then she has to deal with a husband that's sedated and dying in the hospital and she couldn't visit. They then got to a point when I was in the hospital where they said, I was now on 24 hour dialysis My kidneys had failed. Organs were starting to shut down. And they got to a point with her and they said, well, we think we have done all that we can do. Uh, It's likely time that we're going to need to turn off some of these machines and stuff. And the bravery of this woman, she says to them, well, your COVID protocols should no longer apply. Your end of life protocols should now apply. He's not going to die alone. I need you to get me in there. And they suited her up and got her in there. And I have this great picture of her in there, me sedated, hooked up to all these machines, and her giving me this kiss on the cheek. And uh, I saw the picture and I said, that is marriage vows lived out. You know, when you get married, you, it's all roses, right? And you say these vows and you think of these, but you don't think, you know, 18 years later, my husband's gonna be in the hospital fighting for his life. And I'm going to have to be saying goodbye. But She was there by my side, giving me a kiss, and I thought, "This is what it. This is what marriage vows lived out looks like." Um, she advocated. She got a certain nurse advocate. We had a good friend who was the doctor there. He, she got him to sit with me, and then she she got all these people to pray and started this St. Jude novena, and and um, and then she had to deal with the you know me waking up and not knowing what was real and not real. And are we married or not married and having to go through that pain and that hurt and, and then get me on the road to recovery and then get me home. And she did. Um, and, and then of course, over the, you know, since I've been home and, and and recovering, she's had to deal with it her own mental, you know, trauma of going through all of this and what that means and, um, and whatnot. And, and, um, and so I, I think you know, we've. I think she's doing pretty well, um, and uh, we've learned a lot as a couple, as a of uh, what, what's important in life, um, and what we can do. And we've got a lot of work to do. I'm sure everybody does in their marriages and to be better in their voc- their vocation. But this really. Um, um, I, I, just to close with a little funny story. Please. When I woke up, when I woke up. Uh, <laughs> When I woke up, she says to me, "You can never be mad at me." And I said, "Why is that?" She said, "Cause I saved your life five times."
0: <laughs> so even now at home, when I when she gets mad at me, I'll
1: say, "Well, listen, you had your chance." <laughs> but I love that you can never be frustrated. With me. I saved your life five, five times, and and she did right, and I owe her my life, and. Uh, and um, and I don't just owe her my life for what she did during this latest COVID. She saved my life 18 years ago when we got married. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we've been through quite a bit of things in the 18 years and dealt with a lot of experiences and trauma and different things uh, as most people do, but this was definitely unexpected. And I, I hope and I pray it draws us closer together. I do fear that the busyness of life
0: Um, comes back in and comes back in and, and,
1: and, you know, you're running kids around and a variety of things, but she is an amazing, amazing woman. And, um, and, uh, this story of this COVID story is really about her in many, many ways. Wow.
0: Thank you for sharing all of that. That was really beautiful and a good reminder Mm -hmm. for all of us in terms of what we're signing up for, um, when we get married and that these vows are, are, are meaningful and they're permanent. And, um and you're right it wasn't something that she expected but uh, but praise the lord that, that she's doing better also and and like you said both have kind of you don't go through experiences like that and not be a little scared on the other side and so, so having kind of triggers or things of na- that nature um that that hopefully you guys are getting the right help you know in that regard but humor seems to be a wonderful part of your relationship <laughs> and uh, and that that's that's a good good sign you yeah. know that that's present uh, that you can make those little I'll be a dark, but funny jokes, you know, <laughs> that it's, that's a good, those are all great signs. So well, if so. you like humor, let
1: me tell you one more. Give it to I'm, me. I'm sedated <laughs> when they, when they woke me up, the very first words I said, right, get this, this is such a man thing, guy thing. I woke up and I can't talk. So they give me this thing to write with and I can barely hardly write and move my, the very first thing I said uh, to the nurse and to my wife was, how much is this costing me? <laughs> how much? How much is this costing me? I was concerned. I looked around and they're like, You've been out for six weeks and I'm looking at the machines and everything. Like, how much is this costing me? Isn't that a guy thinking?
0: It's funny because I, you know, i my my
1: wife's, uh, you know, I, I'm the sole breadwinner. And I just thought about that. I'm like, wow, that must be an anxiety point for me. I must always be thinking about, yes. but yeah, that was, that was my first words. And they were like, well, is he in pain? What's he want to write? Is there a problem?
0: <laughs> <laughs> did they answer it or did they, they did it? Like, forget it. Like, <laughs> I think, I think they said something about
1: insurance. And don't yes. you need to worry yeah, about that worry right about now. now? And, and this that, is all know. a dream,
0: anyways. Yeah.
1: So a <laughs> 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 I just love that. How much? Is, such a guy thing.
0: Yeah. Such a Forget how thing. everybody else is doing. How are the wife? Are the kids? So how am I? No. What's What's the bottom line? <laughs> that's this? The bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's
1: real, my friend. That's the real
0: scoop. That's how much not. is my life insurance? You know, I wish I could
1: give you like this. Some like sort of saintly, holy answer. That's oh wow. When this man woke up, he had this like like angelic. Insight into something that was given to him, and the mind like, "How much
0: does this cost?" Exactly. Yeah, hoping, hoping for like some near death experience to have like the the, the 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 lines of of heaven and earth were blurred, and so you got a beautific vision, and we're willing to share yeah, it back that's with what us. People
1: are like, after they're playing to St. Jude and going through this prayer experience, and I wake up asking them about the finances. Oh gosh. <laughs> See, for your listeners, we're real. This is real. This is the real. The real stuff. <laughs>
0: we all go through. Uh, Oh, sweet Jesus. It's so good. That's great. Oh, my goodness. My wife's going to deeply appreciate that story. Thank you. I'm actually thinking of a couple clients of mine who I know are going to deeply appreciate that story, too. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first words. Yeah, and, and it's funny because they, they they tell it. Yeah,
1: you know, we were in a frantic to get you the board and the thing. We thought something was really wrong. You needed to communicate. You were insisting on communicating, and then I said, "How much is this costing me?" <laughs> <laughs> and given what all these people just went through, and the nurses uh, the doctors, oh and my mercy. wife. Of course, it's the least of their worries, but it was right. the first of mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: gosh,
1: it's the temporal yes, things, right?
0: Yes, it's funny. it is. It is. Uh, it is. So we so. got to laugh. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to I want to bring this back a little bit to the institute and the challenges we're kind of getting Please. here to to our time. Yeah. And uh, so, before I asked you about your wife, you said something beautiful about mm. um, we all colored with crayons as kids. Yeah. And and we all we all have creative energies within us. Yeah. And and that is something that is very significant uh, and very beautiful to to remind all of us about because we are all made in the image and likeness of God mm. the Father. And the mm. Father is creator. That's what he is. He is our father, he is a creator. The creator of the universe. We are made in his image and likeness. Mm. And that's really hard for people to to hold on to, especially for those of us who aren't Creative and so, like, I i can't draw a stick figure. I can't, I, my handwriting's atrocious. Uh, your handwriting's probably better when you woke up than mine is even now, you know. Like, it's 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 oh, <laughs> well, you it's, are, it, you <laughs> have a doctor, right? yeah. I do have so a doctor, handwriting so now, now well, now, now finally, I can make the excuse of well, I'm a doctor, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell that to my ninth grade teacher who told me to stop writing in cursive, you know, like, because <laughs> she couldn't read my handwriting, but like, <laughs> but, but, the, but, that there's. It's something that has struck with me, you know, in terms of like, I deeply appreciate art and film and music yeah. and those who have great artistic gifts, but that's not the only version of creativity. Exactly. I mean, those of us who are problem solvers, those of us who are researchers, right. those of us who um, are 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 just trying to make our, our bedrooms look a little bit more beautiful, whatever the case might be, all of that taps into those creative energies. Um, and so, I I want to echo that encouragement to everybody that like if 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 you do have an idea and you want to submit it to the challenge great but even if you don't like don't disregard that creative energy that is in you even if you don't consider yourself to be a creative type um I think that's the brilliance of like the Lego movie. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, you know, at the, at the of end of the movie when, when, when Wild Saw goes on and she says, uh, you could, you know, whatever, she says, you could trust me, she could trust me, I'm on TV, you know, whatever, and, and, and basically just tells everybody to start ripping up the floor and just creating stuff. Great. And what comes out is this mash of cars and ships and weapons or whatever it is, they all look kind of janky and, 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 and whatever, but it doesn't matter. It's just the fact that, that, that you're exercising those creative energies, in some form or fashion, um, is is part of who we are as as human people, um, as human persons. Um, so so certainly, just want to offer that as an encouragement. Now, kind of well final, a couple final questions here as we're kind of wrapping this up. I, I don't want I, I want to honor your time here as well. Um, but insecurity gets in the way of that creativity. Mm. Um, insecurity gets in the way of people pursuing ideas. And, and I can say this, you know, myself, like I had this idea, I, don't, I had this idea for this podcast at least two years before I actually hit record. And, and a big chunk of that was just, I don't know, you know, like I, people are going to listen and I don't know if I can do this right. And what if my voice sounds funny and if it does, you know, all these things that it took me two years just to kind of get the courage to say, okay, now I'm just going to hit record and let's, let's, let's kind of get going. Um, so what are your thoughts about that insecurity and those voices that prevent us from engaging in those creative ideas that we may have.
1: Yeah. I, I just, I don't think they're of the Lord. Amen. And I think, you know, there's, they're, they're probably there for reasons and you would know better than me just from people's backgrounds and, mm-hmm. and things maybe they've experienced, or lack of encouragement that they've gotten. I just don't think they're of the Lord. And I, I, there's um, something that we're starting in the Institute beyond just the challenge and we're really starting to dive into design thinking and something else we're calling strategic doing. And what I mean by strategic doing is, I think that we think about, hey, I'm gonna launch a podcast, how do I launch a podcast? Um, well, I'm gonna launch a podcast by, well, I need a plan and I need this and I need that. And there's certainly part of it. But I think that more than that, what you see on the entrepreneur world is the spirit of going and doing And it's in the doing that they then come back and figure it out and iterate and try. And I think that we just we need to have a more of an infinite growth mindset to say we're going to take some chances and some risk. And yes, we may fail and it may hurt. Um, That's what makes the entrepreneurs uh, special is because they take a risk or a chance and sometimes put capital and money in when others don't and go for it and a lot of them fail. Um, and so I guess my encouragement would be is to um, try to change your mindset or try to um, put new words in your mind uh, to, to sort of push through that moment. And by the way, you're not alone. Everybody goes through that, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has that little voice. Uh, it's funny, I, I, I do do a fair bit of public speaking and every time I'm before, I'm like, oh, why did I do this? <laughs> uh, why did I go up on, you know? Because you're, you know, even after doing it time and time again, I'm like, oh no, this is gonna stink. This is good. You have that little voice and I just don't think it's of the Lord. And and I think it's Satan wanting to sort of stop it, uh, stop a podcast like this, prevent it from happening. And there's these these little voices that are, are telling you the negative thing that uh, is just not true. And I would encourage people to just do, go. Uh, and when you go, and then come back and iterate and change. and But it's in that we need to take more risk. And this is sort of my message for the church at large, is we need to fail faster. We need to fail quicker. And we as pastors, priests, not we, I'm not a pastor a priest, but priests, bishops, leaders, need to be willing to give people permission to take a chance, to take a risk, and to go for it. And um, And let's just lighten up a little bit on that's the, the exact opposite of, of
0: perfectionism. That's the exact opposite of the perfectionism that is just rampant and everything. But yes, keep going. Keep going.
1: No, no, I agree. I mean, that's, and so we, we really feel like what the church needs is more of a intersection between pastoral ministry and entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you even think about like how parish councils and stuff work, they work sort of like, well, let's get a three-year plan and let's get our, let's get this and let's do this. And we really think it's that strategic doing, it's the going forth, it's the doing first. It's sort of flipping the thing. I would have encouraged you two years ago when you said, mm-hmm. I have an idea for a podcast. Mm-hmm. I would have said, let's spin it up fast and let's get moving. Mm-hmm. Let's not take two years to plan it and get going. Let's, let's spin it up and get going before you can think twice. Mm-hmm. And, and then re, And then as you're going, you're going to learn and you're going to learn and you're going to learn. It's going to grow and it's going to develop and it's going to become something it never was, mm-hmm. but you didn't, you didn't need to put the podcast. Not that you did. I'm just using it as an example. So right. that would be my encouragement to people. I think that um, don't let it stop you take the risk uh, and um, and, and go for it and just go. And yeah, you might fall, but my gosh, the learnings from it, the fast fall, the, the feeling fast, I think is, is something that we need to learn and learn very quickly. And to me, it's very much part of what the early church looked like, right? They're trying, they're testing, they're, Mm -hmm. let's do this, let's, let's, you know, you know, and I think we need to get back to um, some of that mindset. I think part of it, I mean, you would know better than me, doctor, but I think part of it is, is it hurts. It's hard to put ourselves out there right well For yeah maybe,
0: of course yeah.
1: No. what if this podcast it, stinks what are people going to say it what may I don't know like? it,
0: may, it may stink <laughs> <laughs> people give me the time but no, <laughs> yeah. that's,
1: that's, well, no after this episode <laughs> people are like yeah I should close it <laughs> this is
0: it this is the last one
1: <laughs> you know what I decided no but I
0: agree I, 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 I go ahead go ahead
1: I decided mm-hmm. so I do a fair bit of these podcasts uh, mm-hmm. and, and things around now mm-hmm. and um, I frankly I don't listen to them afterwards maybe that's my <laughs> secret but I don't listen to them and I just determined, I'm just going to be authentically and real and just tell it like it is and be very vulnerable and open and authentic and just put it out. There. That's what I decided. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm I just going to do it that way. And I don't know if people like it or not, uh, but my, and I guess that's what I'm, I, I, it, it takes, it, it took intentional courage on my part to say, I am not going to put on a face. I am not going to just give people what they what they want to see about who Jason Shanks is. I am just going to be on, and I'm just going to talk like you and I are sitting down and talking, and I'm going to put it out there. And I might not listen because I'm probably too more more critical of myself. But I think in the end, that's what we need to do. And again, back to a earlier thing we talked about: it's in doing that that you are going to grow in holiness. Mm-hmm. It's Amen. in giving of that podcast. It's in putting yourself out there. If no one else listens, you grow, you develop in ways that you never imagined. And that that is why in a lot of our videos and stuff when we talk about innovation, we talk about it as almost a, and maybe this is bold to say, a path towards holiness. Mm -hmm. Because we think it gets people out of their comfort zone, it puts them in a place to have God-sized dreams, to take a chance, to trust in the Lord more. And in the end, their faith, their cup is 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 filled more than uh standing on the sidelines and just watching everybody else.
0: <sighs> okay. So there, I have my, my brain, there's a lot here. Okay, so I'm gonna say a couple things. First and foremost is that like the our our psychology, our makeup is kind of this mix of on one hand, We absolutely love the status quo, and our system wants to preserve the status quo. That's where we find safety, is is maintaining what we already know and are familiar with. That's why there's a lot of pushback against anything that's new or unfamiliar, because our, our system likes the status quo. At the same time, our body is, and our brains, both our bodies and our brains are highly plastic, which means they're highly adaptable to new situations. This is what happens with astronauts, why their bodies break down when they're in space because the body's saying, hey, I can put resources to other things now because I don't have gravity. And so, you know, this is what our bodies do. They just, they they adapt. And so we're always caught in this tension of like, desiring status quo and staying with what we know with what is familiar safety. but at the same safety exactly and it's 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 always that fear that thought that we have that says don't do it is always a thought of of preservation and of safety it's always a threat yeah. against against our safety in some way because rejection the podcast stinking or the idea stinking whatever it is it feels like rejection, and, and it is in some ways. And and we take that personally, and, right. and then we feel that we are rejected, not just our idea stinks, but that we stink. And so then it brings up shame and all that other stuff, which goes back to us then feeling isolated and not being part of the group and everything that goes with right. that. So, so there's that. But then at the same time, what happens is that we know this, that when we – when we then step out into that space, into that unknown, we grow, as you've been saying beautifully, and we adapt to these new circumstances. And that's part of our life as well is 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 needing the balance between both, because we can't be always in the unknown territory because then we're we're lost and confused and and not knowing anything and never feeling safe. But we can't be too safe either because then we're never growing or we're just being stagnant. And 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 I and I agree with what you're saying in terms of the creative life. Being a call to holiness, I, I I think in some ways it's that's stepping out into the unknown and is is an act of faith, and we talk about that. But all of that is just a preparation, honestly, for the great act of of. And I guess you would know this more now because of your experiences in terms of even when we resign ourselves to dying, that that's a great surrender. That's a great act of faith. That's the greatest act of faith is when we say, "All right, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit," and mm-hmm. and somehow I think the creative life. Not to be macabre about it, but I think in some ways it, it, it moves us in preparation for that. Is to say, I'm taking these ideas, and I don't really know if this is true or if this is going to pan out, or I don't really know what's going to happen here. But but I'm moving forward in this in this venture to say, uh, like uh, it's because because it's because it's going to transform me, but because it's also going to transform my relationship with you, Lord. And, and it is going to help me to have a better sense of understanding of not just faith and trust and surrender, but 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 again that creativity, that life, that potential, actualizing who I am as a person, and and knowing then. And so I guess my encouragement is to, when you step out into that, as scary as it feels, that transformation that happens, it needs to happen and will happen as part of your growth and as part of who you are as a person. And so I'm in agreement. I'm I'm, I'm go do. Get yeah, it, it's it's, it's a lot
1: of you know the the idea of go out into the deep right? From scripture. And it's sort of the sort of Chris, Christian adventure that we as uh, disciples are all sort of called to that is powerful. OSV is doing a lot of work from an organizational standpoint within OSV on the idea of uh, change style, change navigation, and growth mindset. All that kind of stuff you're talking about, how the brain works and mm-hmm. and and whatnot. And, and I would encourage people to start thinking about that in their own lives. But also, if you're out there part of an organization or a thing, how do we become more of an innovative apostolate or parish or uh, diocese, diocese or whatnot? Right. Well, we might want to start with change management and start with how do we navigate change as people uh, within there? Because if, if you as a priest go into a parish and everybody's sort of in the, you know, what is that fight or flight, you know, mode mm-hmm. that's like, ah, no, you know we might want to start with some of these other tools, change styles, change navigation, as well as what does a growth mindset look like? Uh, Because we've got to sort of move people into being ready for, um, you know, we're doing workshops on curiosity now, we're doing workshops on risk management and all of these things And, and working with dioceses and parishes to explore all of that before we can even get to how do you generate a new idea? What we've learned is we got to go all the way back to the fear of taking a risk, mm-hmm. uh, what growth mindset looks like before we can get to are we even ready to think about what is a new idea about And And a lot of that might be for your listeners. How do I be creative? How do I put myself out there? There's, there's probably tools and stuff in later episodes we should dig into and talk further about that could be of help to people.
0: That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, we can leave that as a teaser then for another episode we That's can get right. and get you back on. All right. So give us the website again as we're kind of wrapping this up.
1: <clears throat> so the institute website is osvinstitute.com. That has all the work that we're doing at the institute. But for those that are interested in applying to the challenge, you've got an idea, you want to submit it, you go to osbchallenge.com. Uh, we have four different tracks this year. So we've we've continued to change things. Uh, we have different tracks for different uh, ideas, different categories, if you will. And we're gonna give away $500,000 in prizes this year. And uh, you can go right there to apply. We'd love to have you and uh, and check it all out.
0: Wonderful. Well, Jason, thanks for, for coming on. And the final question I ask all my first time guests, you've already answered it, but I'm gonna give you another opportunity to answer it again. What gives you hope?
1: Well, um, yeah, I definitely think I've answered that. I think these innovators give me great hope in the church. On a personal level, I must say my wife and kids give me a lot of hope. And uh, and we've been through uh, um, a heck of a year, uh, but um, uh, God is a God of second chances, and we certainly have gotten one. And we want to make the best of it.
0: Amen. Thank you for sharing that. thank you for for joining me on the podcast today, and God bless you and your family as you guys continue to recover from the year year and a half that you guys have been through and uh, and and continue to bless you in the work that you're doing with uh, with the institute. Thank you, Doctor. Have a good day. appreciate you. All right, everybody god bless you my dear listeners i'm so grateful that you hung with us throughout this whole episode it was awesome it was awesome jason god bless him in, in his vulnerability and his openness to share everything about his experiences with COVID and, and the impact that that had on his family i was deeply enriched and blessed by this conversation so i i leave it to you if if you are interested in submitting an idea for the osv challenge do it do it Do it. Don't let that fear hold you back. If you have something that has been gnawing at you, some creative venture, some idea, some ministry, something that you feel would bring blessing to the church, do it. Go for it. You have nothing to lose. Because I genuinely believe in the things that we talked about, that just the process of you putting forth that idea will in fact shape you. So whether you win or not, or whether you're semifinalist or not, or any of those things doesn't really matter, because the process for you, I, I I promise you, will be a blessing. So go go to the OSV website, OSVChallenge.com, submit your information, and uh, and see what happens. So thank you everybody. God bless you and be good.